We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a regular season edition, Brandon Kravitz, of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am Nick Whalen, joined as I always am on Wednesdays and will be throughout the NBA season by Brandon Kravitz. Uh, Brandon, had a lot of fun previewing the season these last few weeks with you, but man, it is great to have real NBA basketball back. Uh, you know, like the first week of the preseason, I'm dialed in, I'm watching every game, I'm watching the condensed highlights, things like that. But by the end of the preseason, you're just kind of ready for things to to have real meaning. And what a relief it was last night to to get Lakers Nuggets in the early window. And then a really fun game, a little bit of a sloppy game. Really, both of them were a bit sloppy between the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. But let's start with the LA Lakers. You know, there's a, a big outbreak of panic on fantasy basketball Twitter after this game when Darvin Ham said, yeah, you know, we, we kind of want the, to, to have this plan in place for LeBron James to, to have a limited workload during the regular season. He played 29 minutes last night, was notably like in and out of the game in, in short stints, you know, didn't play a ton uh, in the first half, especially. And even as the Lakers were making a rally, you know, it felt like they were pretty hard line sticking to this stance that LeBron James was not going to play 30 minutes, no matter what, still gives you 21, eight and five with a steal 10 of 16 from the field. I thought he looked great physically, uh, I will say this. I, I don't think LeBron James is going to average under 30 minutes this season. This is like the eighth year in a row that whatever team he's on has said that they're managing his workload. But as we saw last night, when LeBron's off the floor, the Lakers are not going to win a lot of games. No. And as somebody who had uh, Lakers plus five quite confidently last night, every time they took him out, I was just cringing because this Lakers team would allow the Nuggets to just pour it on. And you see it reflected in the in the box score. LeBron James plus seven. Uh, I don't think anybody else was uh, was in plus territory Somehow in DM terms of the starters. I don't. I, you know that that might need to be debunked. <laughs> that, I mean, plus minus. Take it for what it's worth. But yeah. I think for LeBron, it does tell a story here. Yeah, I agree. He looked really good. That was great to see. He doesn't look like a thirty-eight year old. I don't think that shocks anybody at this point because he's he is so great that he defies reality. But he's still somebody that's inching closer to 40 years old. So it's probably the right approach, but how long can you get away with it? The good news is the Lakers won't be playing the defending champions every single night and man credit where credit is due. Denver picked up right where they left off, you know, part of my handicap last night. And I know we didn't have an episode where I, you know, thankfully you guys didn't hear this because maybe I would have convinced some people to lose money with me. Uh, you figure there's going to be some form of a championship hangover. You know, Jokic couldn't go back home and ride horses fast enough if you're playing all that basketball last year. 
and they just didn't miss a beat. It was like they were playing the next game of the NBA final series. That's how locked in and, and prepared they looked. I thought the Nuggets role players vastly outplayed the Lakers role players for most of the night. You know, KCP was one of the best players on the floor for either side. Uh, he goes eight of 12, two of three from beyond the arc. Aaron Gordon uh, looked really good, had some big shots throughout this game. Uh, you know, obviously, Jokic and, and Jamal Murray did what they do. I mean, Jokic was just, you know, it, the, the touch around the rim. I mean, that's that's the thing that I always come back to with him. It's like the the angles don't matter. The the level of defense doesn't seem to matter. As long as he can get that shot off and he's within five feet, it always finds a way to kind of die on the rim and just roll in. I mean, he's it just – It looks just, so easy for him. He's doing it – he was operating at like 75% speed, which I, I know he always is to some degree. <laughs> but, um, like, I, I you know, never played well. They, they shot 53% from the field. A lot of it was shot making. You know, it felt like the Lakers were missing a lot of the looks that the Denver was making. It was not a good night for Austin Reeves. Uh, it was, you know, D'Angelo Russell. We said he was a plus one, but he's just, he's a, not a winning player. And I, I don't think he's long for this Lakers team. I'd be shocked if he makes it through the regular season as a member of this team. Torian Prince, you know, if we're talking guys to, to maybe take a look at uh, off the waiver wire, we'll see how much time Jared Vanderbilt misses. But he hit four three pointers, 18 points, three boards for him at a block as well. We need to talk about Anthony Davis, Brandon. I, I took him in the first round of my NFBKC the other night. I didn't feel great about it. You're never going to feel good about your entire fantasy basketball season hinging on Anthony Davis. But, you know, my, my concern, of course, is that he's not going to play more than like 55 games. It's, it's not that he's going to go scoreless in the second half of a huge game when, you know, he, he talked all, all offseason about how he can't wait to play the Nuggets. And then he comes out and just has a, a classic Anthony Davis, I'm not that guy type of performance. Exactly, because it's not like he wasn't involved. He was 0 for 6 from the field, so he was he was getting shots up. They weren't going in. He's, he is the most befuddling player in the NBA because at his best, he's a top five guy, but you can't have a conversation about him in that range because he has these disappearing acts. Usually, it's not in the middle of a game. I feel like that's not really yeah. how Anthony Davis usually – usually, he starts the game, and you know he's going to be irrelevant all the way through. 17 points in the first half. It was like, all right, yeah. this is going to be an Anthony Davis game. I was feeling pretty good about my Lakers side because when he's playing at his best, that's when the Lakers win games. LeBron's always going to give you that sort of consistency. The fact that he didn't play over 30 minutes and then you had a no-show from Anthony Davis in the second half, in some ways it's surprising it's as close as it was at the end of the night. But, yeah, that's yeah. it's really disappointing. I um, you know, hate to be the guy that says, I told you so. I don't touch Anthony Davis because I don't trust him. I was picking ninth overall. You know, it was kind of at that point where if you're not taking him, you're reaching, it felt like, for some guys who you'd rather take in, in round two. And now I was able to pair him with LaMelo Ball, who was still on the board coming back around. Um, Boy, that's so I, like I, the all-can't-trust-you uh, duo I know, right I know. There. I was like, well, I might as well, might as well <laughs> lean into it at this point. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm either winning $10,000 or I'm taking dead last, most likely, in that league. Um, that's you know, not the one where take- you owe people stake, is it? No, thank God. No, okay. um, I do not have him. That one, that one's an auction. So like you have to go out of your way to end up with Anthony Davis in that league. Um, and I, I think I had him last year, actually. So we will not be we will not be going down that path uh, again. But we'll, we'll provide updates on that league as the year goes along. You know, we saw a decent amount of Cam Reddish, 18 minutes, uh, looked OK. He was actually a plus for the Lakers. I, I, I think those minutes probably evaporate uh, to a significant degree when Jared Vanderbilt is back. Gabe Vincent did not look good. My goodness. I mean, he was he was probably the, the biggest minus, uh, I think, of all the role players for the Lakers, even more so than D'Angelo Russell, just getting hunted on defense. You know, wasn't hitting anything. He's 0 for 4 from 3. Um, you know, again, not not a ton to take away fantasy-wise. Like, Rui Hachimura, 
three of 10. That's just kind of what Rui Hachimura does. Like I'm not, I, 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 I like the collective depth that the Lakers have Brandon, but I, I'm not really high on any of these guys individually. Like even as like late round fantasy targets, like I've never been a Hachimura guy, you know, Christian Wood ha- had a couple of nice looks uh, last night, but I, I think when Vanderbilt's back, his minutes kind of dry up as well. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention from Lakers Nuggets? Yeah, I actually have been a little bit higher throughout the draft process on some of these Lakers bench guys. I I love Rui Hachimura. Uh, I think that he will get rolling at some point this season. Just the way the Lakers play basketball, he's um, LeBron super light. Um, I'm not comparing the two I, by any means. I, I'm no, not comparing. No. I'm just I'm saying in terms of the, the the body size, the ability to get to the rim, the comparisons end there. But I feel like he's, he's, he's Marcus per- Morris super light. He's per- <laughs> what are we talking about? LeBron. Good. Super, super duper. I can't add enough. I would it would take up the rest of the episode for me to hit you with that. Yeah, but I, I know, just I can't in terms it. of look, this is a team that wants to beat you with their size. He's got it. That's that's the point. Technically, he does. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> he's a big body. He's a big body that can get to the rim, and he's had he's had yeah. his stretches. Uh, I thought he got lost in Washington, as most players do, yeah. and he's played well for LA. This is, uh, but he gives you these stinkers. So yeah. um, I didn't end up with him anywhere. So not as not exactly a money where my mouth is situation. Yeah. Christian Wood is somebody that I have rostered, and I don't think I'm going to be able to drop him fast enough. Um, he, he's bad. It's, yeah, just I, I've been overrating him for years, and it's kind of I'm at the point where it's just time to admit it. Uh, the Gabe Vincent thing, I'm very curious to follow this. It's one game; you're not going to make too much of it. Um, he's not going to go over from three point range all season long. But if he is bad for this Lakers team, boy, is that going to just shine a big bright light on hashtag Heat culture like yeah. never before? Because he was a playoff superstar. Yeah, I mean, it would be shocking to me if he takes a step back. Like, there's there's something about that that Heat team where it's like everybody felt like was playing above their level, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see kind of a similar thing with Max Drews in Cleveland, where he's just not right. quite not quite as good. Like, there's there's something about playing in Miami and and kind of the the coalescence of how that group came together that it's going to be hard to replicate somewhere else. Um, yeah, I don't have much else on this game. You know, we handed out a few props on the Rotowire NBA show on SiriusXM last night. Uh, you know, Alex hit his best bet: KCP over one and a half threes. I hit mine, uh, which was Anthony Davis to just make one three. Luckily, we got that out of the way early. I thought he would take like five or six. He's been launching a bunch of threes in the preseason. Uh, Darvin Ham said he wants Anthony Davis taking like six, seven three-pointers per game. He was aggressive early on, completely got away from that as the game went along. But that is something, you know, fantasy-wise to keep an eye on when it comes to Anthony Davis is that, at least in theory, uh, you know, that that three-point production could tick up a little bit, but we'll see how comfortable he ends up being. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Uh, all right, before we talk Warrior Suns, Brandon, let's let's touch on this James Harden situation because I, I'm getting tweet alerts like every five minutes from Chris Haynes. Uh, you know, 22 minutes ago, James Harden was expected to travel with the 76ers today to Milwaukee. Uh, they're coming here. They're, they're coming to, uh, you know, my town to play the Bucks tomorrow night. Um, and then roughly 14 minutes after that, Chris Haynes tweets, update, James Harden will not travel with the team to Milwaukee today. He will remain in Philadelphia to continue his ramp up. You know, Harden said like a month ago that he wanted to, you know, be around the team, but make things uncomfortable, try to force his way out. I, are, are the Sixers uncomfortable here? Like, if anything, this just feels like one giant inconvenience. And I, I don't think anybody is like feeling bad for James Harden. Yeah. Well, if I hear a player say, I want to play, I want to be around, but I'm going to make the team uncomfortable. I'm not exactly saving a yeah. spot on the airplane for that individual. I think the Sixers are making the right choice here. I thought that James Harden would be dealt by now, but Daryl Morey, understandably so, doesn't want to operate in uh, in panic mode. That's not what good general managers do. But I, when you see a report like this ahead of game one where you're trying to set the tone for the season, this is a Sixers team that has high aspirations. If, if he doesn't play... And it's not traveling with the team. What's to make you believe that he's ever going to suit up for the Philadelphia 76ers again? So uh, this is um, we're just sort of waiting. It's an if uh, it's, a, it's a when, not if situation at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of this lingering deadline of like, you know, if Harden's away from the team for what, 30 days, uh, you know, then he could potentially lose his ability to become a free agent. But I, honestly, I got to do more reading on that. Like, is is does he have to play in games? Can, can he just can he be with the team? Does that you know extend that timeline? I'm really not sure. I mean, I, I do think it's it's still overwhelmingly likely that he's traded at some point. You know, ironically, Terrence Mann uh, is on the injury report and will not play tonight. I, I think there was some speculation, you know, around NBA Twitter over what that could mean. But um, I, I do think at some point he gets his wish and, and is likely traded to the Clippers. But Daryl Morey is not just going to send him out for forty cents on the dollar. Like, I, I think they're going to have to get another team involved. They're they're going to try to create or manufacture some sort of minor bidding war for James Harden, because I, I don't think they're just going to you know, basically send him over to the Clippers for free. Um, but nonetheless, at this point, looks very unlikely that James Harden is going to play on opening night. So as of now, you know, if you're, if you're kind of configuring your, your weekly lineup ahead of a 12 game slate on Wednesday, I would be leaving James Harden out of that uh, bucks, by the way, either five and a half or six point favorites at home over the Sixers, depending on where you look. I think I like that. I think so too. I think so too. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I've seen a lot of like projection models, um, you know, that, that kind of spit out win totals and things like that. A lot of those are low on Milwaukee. I, I think there's some concerns about the, the lack of proven depth 
and you know the potential fall off on defense going from Drew to Damian Lillard. I, I get it. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to be a team that's like pushing for sixty wins or anything. I think they'll they'll go through some ups and downs. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little rocky at first. But I was looking at one of them. I, I forget what, which system it like the Darko system. I want to say had the Bucks pegged for like forty four wins. Like what? Come on. Come on. They'd have to have some serious injury problems to get to yeah, which uh, is possible for forty four. Yeah, if, that, I, if they know, have forty four wins, we we it'll be um it'll it'll be like um the ship is sinking situation by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one thing I do worry about, you know, I, I think Giannis Lillard, both of those guys, you know, they, they probably build in some rest, but you know, neither of them have like a real injury track record. I, I do feel like what's going a little undercovered is, you know, Brooke Lopez at what, 35, 36 years old coming off a of back surgery two years ago. He played, I, I think 77 games last year. I mean, that is best, best, best case. And, you know, I think if, if Brooke Lopez were to, you know, have anything happened with that back again and, and miss any chunks of time like that. That to me is where the Bucks could be in real trouble defensively. Yeah, I have the Bucks making it to the finals. So this uh, the Correct. conversation is not making get, not giving me the warm warm and yep. fuzzies in terms of that pick. All right, let's go to Suns Warriors. We'll completely flip it. We'll no more injury talk here. Although no Draymond Green for Golden State, no Bradley Beal for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they they said during the telecast that Beal was reportedly quote devastated that he was unable to play on opening night, but he does hope to be out there. Uh, Suns play, they, they turn around and play tomorrow at the Lakers uh, in game two for both of those teams. Could be looking at an 0-2 start here for the Lakers. Uh, honestly, I feel like that's likely uh, based on how yeah. they looked last night, but uh, we will see 108-104 in favor of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you know, kind of an ugly game on the Golden State side. Uh, you know, they were kind of on the verge of, of getting blown out. I mean, they were down 15 at the half. Came out with with a vengeance in the third quarter. They outscore Phoenix forty to nineteen in the third period. Uh, end up leading the game going into the fourth, and then Phoenix rallies back. So it was, the, you know, everybody says the NBA is a game of runs. Like this was this was the single game sample where it just felt like each team was was kind of taking turns going on a run. Yeah. Well, first of all, how about that, Adam Silver? You put in those new rules about load management. Phoenix doesn't make it one game into the season. They're already load managing Bradley Beal. It's just Love comical. It. Uh, I do not like seeing that right out of the gate. You got to get these guys playing together. This team has very real title hopes, and if it's only one game, but you got to you got to start forming that chemistry. So the fact that they're already holding them out for cautious reasons, we had an entire off season. What are you worried about? Anyway, uh, the Warriors continue to be the best third quarter team in NBA history. I think forty yep. to nineteen. It was about the only thing they did well uh, last night. Uh, I thought Phoenix looked really good. Um, Kevin Durant didn't even really shoot the ball all that well. Seven of 22. Grayson Allen gave you nothing, literally. 0 of 6 from the field last night. Um, I thought Yusuf Nurkic was, I thought he it really was the story for me because he proved in one night that he is such a better fit for this team right now than DeAndre Ayton is. 14 points, 14 rebounds three assists. He is just perfect for this roster, allowing everybody else to thrive, and he just takes easy buckets and gets rebounds. So this is a dangerous team. I, I mean, I like Phoenix. As long as they can get over this paranoia of injury throughout the course of the season, this team's going to be really good. Yeah, I like what I saw for Phoenix. I mean, they they started Josh Okogie, um, and we'll, we'll see You know, if that's ultimately his spot or if that's Beal's spot, um, or I should say Grayson Allen's spot. Obviously, Beal will be starting um, you know, at one guard spot, but I, I think they'll probably bring Grayson Allen off the bench. Like that was the way it was reported going into last night was that Grayson Allen would start in place of Bradley Beal. So I, I think they want a Kogi out there for his defense, but 
he was great, you know, finishing around the rim, seven of nine from the field. Like you said, Durant, not a great night for him. You know, he's, you know even on a bad night, he's still going to give you 18 and 11. Like you're, you're never going to come away feeling like you just got completely burned by Kevin Durant, but he, he didn't look great. Devin Booker looked fantastic. He came out strong in this game. Uh, it was kind of the finisher for the Suns. Like they, they, they needed a basket late to, to essentially, you know, put this one away, make it a two possession game. Booker held the ball for like, I don't know, 18 seconds while being closely guarded. Like five seconds just doesn't get called anymore. Uh, Maybe that's been completely erased from the rule book, but uh, did a really good job, you know, kind of protecting the ball from Gary Payton, got into the rim or got into the paint, I should say, pulled up and then made a really nice last second pass to a cutting Nurkic uh, who laid it in to to put this game away. I I still think like if you just look at the basketball players, I think DeAndre Ayton is, is like a better fit for the Suns, but I also think he... He had basically just decided that he couldn't play there anymore. And I think Devin Booker had also decided that. So even though I I think going from Aiton to Booker or Aiton to Nurkic is like kind of a downgrade in terms of assets, I don't think the Suns really had a choice. I think they just had to get him out of there. And, you know, bringing in Nurkic is kind of your emergency option. It it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good right now. I I think, I think defensively, there are some matchups where he's going to struggle. But I mean, his finishing, you, you kind of forget like when he's healthy, he's, he's a skilled, skilled player. He's a better passer than DeAndre Aiton. Um, you know, it's injuries have really been the thing that I feel like has kind of knocked his reputation the last few years. Yeah. The thing I like about it is that, it, yeah, it's a downgrade. It's not like he's a better player than DeAndre Ayton. I think he's a better fit for this roster because with the three guys that are going to be handling the ball and scoring most of the buckets throughout the course of the season, Beal didn't play, but we still saw that from Durant and Booker in this game, guys like Nurkic and Aiton when he was there they're going to fade into the background Nurkic isn't bothered by that he's not going to lose focus because he's not involved DeAndre Aiton would if you didn't if you didn't get him involved early he would lose him in a basketball game and and I just think that that's not what you need if you're the Phoenix Suns so this this Nurkic ad it seems to be paying off early one of the things that I, I take away from last night is you you go into the chase in, into the uh, Chase Center. Is it Chase Center? Chase Arena? Where the Warriors play? Yeah, okay. Um, and you you held the Warriors to one hundred and four. You won the game without getting into a shootout with this basketball team. Mm. We don't look at the Suns and say they're going to beat you with their defense, but the team actually played pretty well defensively. Um, that's, that's gotta be something they're going to hang their hat on after last night. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And, you know, I, I think they have done a good job of mixing in, you know, at, at some of these role player spots, mixing in defensive focus players, right? I right. mean, even someone like Nas Little who barely played in this game, but, you know, had, had played a couple key minutes late. Um, you know, Akogi, I think is number one on that list. And the Suns bench is a little alarming and we could kind of say the same thing about some of the pieces that the Warriors were bringing off the bench as well. But I mean, it's Eubanks, Watanabe, Little. Gordon, Jordan Goodwin. I mean, those that that's your bench unit. And, you know, there's obviously when Bradley Beal plays, you know, maybe you, you drop one of those guys, but still, I mean, this is a team that's going to be hunting, I think, for help uh, at the deadline, you know, whether it's a buyout player or you know, some sort of minor trade at some point, because it's it's about as top heavy of a roster as we've seen uh, with that big three. On the Warriors uh, side, I would I think, not, you know, don't sleep on their depth. The fact that my guy, Bull Bull, was uh, a DMP coach's yeah. decision speaks to how loaded they are. Yeah, he, he must still be ramping up. Uh, I think to, to get ready <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, was it Ken, it was Kendrick Perkins that said that he could win Defensive Player of the Year, which might have been those were actual words, his words. I uh, I don't know what NBA he is watching, but uh, but yeah, Bull Bull didn't get in there last night. 
the depth when you get to the playoffs though which this team is built for how much does depth really matter when you're that loaded in yeah. in terms of your starting lineup these guys are going to play such heavy minutes at that point so as long as you can get there and they should be able to do that you want to talk I about agree. how bad chris paul was to open the game last night yeah, we, we can. I mean, I agree on the minutes that are on the, yep. the depth thing to some degree, but I also don't think you want Kevin Durant playing like 42 minutes a night in the first round of the playoffs, right? I, I think there's some wear and tear factor that the further you advance, um, you, you're just you're asking more and more of those guys because you're, you're not adding any depth as the playoffs go along. Uh, yeah, Chris Paul, I mean, Paul had, a, it, I think it was in the third quarter, you had a nice little run where you you, you know, got an and one off of, off of Nurkic. You know, it looked like he was turning things around, but started 0 of 6 from the field. Ended up uh, four of fifteen. It was not a not a banner night shooting the ball for the Golden State Warriors. Like I, I think you do give credit to Phoenix defensively. Uh, only forced eleven turnovers. And Phoenix actually had nineteen of their own. But a lot of this was the Warriors just missing missing the type of three pointers that we're used to them making. And you know Paul zero for six from three. Wiggins zero for three. Uh, even Steph Curry four of fourteen. And then uh, was not a banner night for Clay Thompson either. He went three of eleven. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think you need Chris Paul taking six threes per game. So that. It, I mean, he's not going to miss all of them, obviously, in the future, but that's that's not really what he's there for. They have guys to do that. Um, they still went cold uh, pretty much everywhere else. Uh, credit the Suns and what they were able to do defensively, but, um, yeah, this just wasn't a great night. It wasn't a great showcase for Clay Thompson, who's still looking for an extension to start the uh, the year with 15 points when mm-hmm. you, you and Curry need to be the offense at this point for this team, as they've always been. This isn't anything new. Uh, these guys are getting older, and this is the concern with the Golden State Warriors. Um, I certainly respect NBA history. I respect the legends that these guys have turned themselves into, but this is why I don't have the Warriors going all that far in the playoffs this year. I think this team is going to look old um, more times than not in key moments. We saw a lot of Dario Saric last night. Uh, probably more Dario Saric than we needed to. Uh, but but that, again, speaks to some of the depth issues that the Warriors have. And look, when Draymond's in there, Saric is probably playing, you know, eight to ten minutes instead of 20 minutes. But, you know, their bench unit, we, we could kind of joke about Phoenix's, but Saric, Kaminga, Corey Joseph, Gary Payton, Moses Moody. Uh, you know, I thought Moody and Kaminga you know, gave the Warriors some good minutes, uh, especially during that third quarter run. You know, I, I'm still pretty high on, on what Kaminga can be. He had you know two steals and a block uh, for fantasy purposes. But uh, I, I think the Warriors are another team that you know, they're kind of going to assess where they are midseason. And, you know, they you talk about them getting older, like they're, they're leaning into that. Right. Like they for a while, they were kind of trying to play both sides and like develop this this kind of next generation core for their franchise. They're still doing that to some degree with Kaminga and Moody. But, you know, that now they've kind of leaned the other way, bringing in Chris Paul, like the, the old get older. Well, yeah, because they realized that the next they are trying to play both sides, like you said, that but they realized that their next generation guys weren't really all that good. And that's why they got right. rid of James Wiseman. Uh, Kaminga has not developed yet. Moody shows moments. I really liked him coming out of college, but he hasn't shown that he can be that guy to take the mantle. They, they want to pass the baton, but those guys are not ready to carry it. So they want to be younger. They've wanted that for the last couple of years. They have not been able to make that transition, so they have to lean on age and and these veterans. Mm-hmm. At some point, the well is going to run dry. Uh, Steph Curry is still amazing. The guy can't do it all by himself, and defensively, he's never been able to do it all by himself because that's not his game. So where are they bringing it in terms of defense? And if the legs are getting old and tired, then you really – where do you love the Warriors anymore? It's a team that's chocked full of names that 
might not be able to produce in a way that we're used to. So how's that for a game on overreaction? <laughs> all right. The Warriors are cooked. You heard it here first. Yep. Right Kravitz. That's right. Um, all right. Before we, we turn our attention to Wednesday's monster slate, we got a question in the chat from our, our good pal banana. Uh, he says, oh, Brandon yeah. thoughts on the lack of a true point guard in Phoenix. I, I, I think for fantasy purposes, this is actually going to be a good thing for Devin Booker specifically. Uh, you think back to, <clears throat> Excuse me. You think back to a couple of years ago when the Suns basically had no point guard. You know, this was before they they had arrived and are the Suns that we think of today. I mean, Booker had like back to back years where he was essentially playing point guard on an experimental basis and an average you know around seven assists per game. So I, I think between he, Durant, and Beal, I think Booker's the guy that's going to be on the ball the most. He had eight assists last night. Uh, of course, when Beal's back, you know maybe it's more of a a split between those two. But um, I, I don't see the Suns like bringing in anybody you know, who, who really functions as a true point guard. I think they're, they're fine with three main guys splitting those responsibilities. And I think Booker is the guy who's going to benefit most in terms of fantasy. I'm going to hit you with the cliche that you'll hear from coaches all year long. It's positionless basketball at its absolute finest. Yep. You've got three guys <laughs> that are going to score a ton of points this year that all do pretty well in isolation. So if they're, if they're running, everybody's viable. And then if they get stuck in the half court, they can put the ball in any of those three stars' hands, and they can and they can make uh, that can either create space for somebody else, and, and and an easy outlet pass will get the job done, or they can just get a bucket themselves. So, do they even need a point guard? I guess would be my question. I don't think they do. I don't think they no. do, and I think they would have addressed that if they believed they needed a point guard. I think you got three guys in in Durant, Booker, and Beal who you know, for the most part can, can all handle the ball to, to some degree. And I think, I mean, Beal and Booker I could play point guard if they wanted to, right? Like they're, they're, you think of those guys as kind of true classic shooting guards, but I, I think between those two, um, they're, they're plenty fine with what they have right now. Um, we had another quick question here, Brandon thoughts on, okay, we got a murderer's row here. Paul Reed, Kobe White, Xavier Tillman, Derek Lively, and Jeremy Sohan in Roto um, being asked to rank those players. Hmm. I'll leave I, that one to you. Yeah, I, th I think I might go Tillman one. Just I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. Like he was already playing a decent amount of minutes last year. I, I get the Kobe White hype. Um, you know, it, obviously he was a you know top ten pick not that long ago. They they have this void at point guard. Paul Reed, we'll see. You know, kind of feels like he needs a, an Embiid injury. The Sohan thing, I I think the percentages might hurt you. I mean, it's never a good thing when you're when there's like a story that comes out that you're being asked to shoot free throws one handed. Uh, you know, usually like the the eighty eight percent free throw shooters are, are not being asked to do that. Uh, so in Roto, I, I it did work though. He got better when he went to the one hand. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the fact that he's willing to do it uh, says a lot. I, I think I would go Tillman, White, Lively, Sohan, Reed. Uh, but you know, ultimately those are you know kind of end of the roster type of guys. We got some ads to pass along here before we talk about Wednesday's slate and get into some of the players that are going to define our fantasy seasons. Underdog fantasy. I've uh, been working with Underdog for a long time. Brandon and I both play a ton on Underdog, both for their NBA and NFL contest. It is the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pick'em contest. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 500 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. Just use the code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download their app today. And again, be sure to use that promo code RWNBA. That'll get you your free RotoWire subscription. 
and that deposit bonus up to 500 bucks. Vivid Seats. The NBA season is here, and on behalf of our friends at Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing, nothing beats seeing your favorite team crush it on the court to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Every dunk, every dribble, and every heart-pounding play from your favorite team live and in person. And because Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards on every purchase, you can score amazing deals and unrivaled annual rewards all season long. Plus, with a 100% buyer guarantee, you can be sure your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit VividSeats.com or download their app today and use the promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, for $20 off your first $200 purchase. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE for $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Finally, a new sponsor this week, Rival Fantasy. LeBron versus Jordan, Magic versus Bird, Barkley versus McHale. Basketball is synonymous with legendary player rivalries. They make the game more fun and they give fans the storylines that raise the stakes every time those players meet on the court or come up in conversation. Now every player matchup in head-to-head debate can be settled on rival fantasy. This NBA season, you can play challenges where you decide which NBA player will score more fantasy points in their next game, play the rival fantasy in-house challenges, or create your own and get a friend in the mix with customizable social challenges. Sign up at joinrival.com slash rotowire. If you do that, you'll get a $200 deposit match. Get in on this right now before the 2023-24 season tips off. It already has, so make sure you do that as soon as you can. Uh, it's time to step up to the challenge on Rival Fantasy. We will see you in the arena. All right, that sounds like kind of a threat. I like that. Uh, we're raising the stakes here with Rival Fantasy. Um, big slate I'm, I'm looking for you in the arena. I'll be, yeah, uh, I, will I'll, be... I will have my eyes locked on the uh, on the stands. Great reads, by the way. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very literate. Uh, a lot of people forget that. Um, as I'm seeing a note here that Craig Council is interviewing for the Mets job. Don't love that. Um, anyway, that is neither here nor there as we are on a basketball podcast. I not think we get a Craig Council reference <laughs> on the NBA pod today. Oh, man. This, this is people are going to be upset about this in Milwaukee. Um, all right, so we have another James Harden update. It's it's been a combination of Chris Haynes, Shams, and Woj who are all just like chiming in and like one upping each other with news. Uh, Woj is now reporting that James Harden has not actually practiced with the Sixers in ten days. It's been October fifteenth since his last practice. Um, he's just kind of sounds like kind of getting work off to the side, working with their developmental coaches. Uh, the the plan is that he's going to ramp up in the coming days. Uh, but the Sixers play their first two games on the road. They play Milwaukee, and then they're at Toronto. Uh, so what was you saying Harden is out at least the first two games of the season? Yeah, um, no surprise here. I, I think they're just they're going to try and find a trade partner. Um, if he hasn't been practicing, then, you know, you haven't earned your way onto the floor with these guys. And I'm not sure the players – I would love to know their genuine feelings. Do they actually want to play with James Harden if they can't get a deal done immediately? So I, I, th- I think a lot of this also has to come down to how much confidence do the Sixers have in their ability to retain Joel Embiid because their path forward with Harden, they can be a lot more patient if they know that Embiid's going to be out the door soon anyway. So if they're going to have to trade him eventually, then who cares about keeping him happy? And let's just make sure we can maximize the return for both of these guys. If you want to keep Embiid happy and you want to actually – uh, get off to a good start this season and, and not have a headache and your your top star disgruntled, you're going to have to move off of James Harden quickly. So how they handle this 
is I think a pretty good tell of, of how they view their relationship with Embiid. Yeah, we'll keep you posted, you know, over the rest of the pod if, if any more news breaks on James Harden. But again, for fantasy purposes, get him out of the lineup. Uh, sounds like yep. he's not going to play in the Sixers' first two games. Uh, Brandon, you, you texted me this morning and, you know, you said you, you wanted to talk about some kind of situational strategy when it comes to, you know, NBA bets, uh, whether those are team or, or player focused. So uh, I will give you the floor now. You know, we, we have a, a big betting slate to break down. We're not going to go game by game or anything here since we got 12 games, but, uh, you know, talk about some of these, these, you know, situations that you're looking at, uh, when you're looking for, you know, kind of paring down a slate like this to find games or props to target. So for, and this isn't, I have, I have five typical situational spots that I look for and, and none of it is, you know, that I follow, like it's the Bible in terms of, um, everything is, is case by case, but there are five situations that I target throughout the course of the season that, that have been pretty profitable for me in terms of night one, none of them apply because a lot of these deal with the ebbs and flows of an NBA season for tonight. I think it's pretty basic. If you if you think there's an edge for a home team, take them. Take them against the spread. Home teams in their season opening game where the energy is never going to be higher, legs are never going to be fresher, tonight is the night to do it. So I like the Magic, uh, minus four against the Houston Rockets. The Knicks, plus three and a half against the Boston Celtics for that same reason. The Memphis Grizzlies, who a lot of people are sleeping on because of no John Morant. The Pelicans looked uneven in the preseason. That's plus one for the Grizzlies at home. Tough place to play. The Jazz going up against the Kings. I even like the Spurs. So, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's pretty basic in terms of the way I would handicap tonight. Um, your thoughts on that before I move on and just generally looking at season opening at home. I just love backing that sort of energy for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it went one for one or one and one last night, right? Warriors weren't really able to to, to conjure that up, but um, you know, kind of a unique situation with how poorly they shot the ball. And obviously the Nuggets were, were feeding off of that ring night crowd, but that's. Uh, that's kind of a different ball game, and I, mean, I think especially when teams are undervalued, though it's not something yeah. you know just play it clean across the board. But yeah. you know, a team like Memphis right now, I, I, of course, I don't undervalue the Magic. I cover the team, but I think a lot of people nationally do and are overrating yeah. the Houston Rockets, the Spurs. I don't know how maybe as a team undervalued. I think more it's about fading uh, Kyrie and Luca as a combination. Well, that's that's what I wanted to to go back to, and you know that'll be the late game on ESPN tonight. Uh, early game, I believe, is Celtics Knicks. So, uh, believe it or not, we're getting a, a national look at Wemby right away. Dallas four point favorites on the road. Uh, are, are you? Is this like a, a singular spot where you like the Spurs, or you, in general, are you a, a little bit higher on this team and think with Wembenyama they'll be more competitive? Yeah, I do think they're going to be a competitive team. I love the season opening, new energy aspect, so it's kind of hard to put a value on that, but I, I do think there's something to it. And frankly, Kyrie Irving and Luka, we don't have a uh, – I haven't seen yet the official report on, on Luka playing tonight. In some ways, I like the Mavericks, and the line will move if Luka doesn't play. Kyrie – has been winning games with this Mavericks team when he is the lone star. Luka has been winning games with this Mavs team when he's the lone star. What we, what we have not seen yet is these two stars coming together and winning games, and the line ends up inflated when they play together because you've got two stars on the floor. So if they're playing tonight and the line stays at four or even moves to like plus five for the Spurs, I have to take that and a sprinkle on the money line too. I'm just going to fade those guys because they're going to be overvalued based on their name value. Yeah, another interesting line to me, Chicago, two-point favorites at home against OKC. Everybody loves the Thunder this year. 
Yeah, see, that's where it's not it's not universal in the way that I approach this. I think this Bulls team is largely just sort of dead in the water. I would say take Chicago, but I have no interest in betting my hard-earned American dollars on the on the Bulls when I do have so much belief in OKC this year. So I can't fade the Thunder right out of the gate. I've got too much belief in what they can do this year. Yeah, me too. I, I think that's a if, if you're looking to target a, a road dog tonight, that was one that, yeah. that I would look at for sure. Um, you know, we'll get our first look at Zion in a regular season setting in quite some time. Pelicans on the road at the Grizzlies. It feels like these teams play like 15 times a year. Like they're, I don't know. Like they do. There's, there's, this yeah. is like a really weird analogy to make, but they, they feel like these are, this is like a, an AFC North battle, uh, the Pelicans <laughs> and the Grizzlies. Like these are kind of like mirror image teams exactly. for some reason. Oh, then you just nailed it because if, they, if two teams in the AFC North were playing, wouldn't you just blindly take the home underdog? So I Memphis guess. Yeah, is, it's like a Steelers-Browns game. I, I can't explain why, but hopefully people understand what I mean. I, I completely get it, you know, uh, but that's why Memphis is the play tonight in that regard. Um, and the Pelicans, I, I just I, I don't think that they figured out exactly how they want to fit Zion into the mix yet. Um, Valanchunas should have himself a nice game tonight. Uh, but by and large, I like Memphis. So I've got my my five spot plays. Yeah. I'll go I'll go one by one, and if okay. you want to jump in, that's fine, or, or I can go all the way through. But I'll I'll give you some space here uh, to comment. Five favorite spot plays throughout the course of the season. One is I fade stars returning off of injury, especially if they've been out for over a week. So this isn't a star missed one night because of load management and then they're right back in the lineup. I'm talking about an extended week, two week, month absence, and then the star comes back. Usually it takes time to reintegrate them. Sometimes the team themselves even finds a groove without that player. There's uh, They develop some new form of chemistry. And more than anything, when the star returns, it always inflates the line. And usually they're not great right out of the gate. So in the NBA regular season, watch these ebbs and flows. Stars returning to the lineup after extended absences. I usually fade that team. Yeah, I, I'm not going to push back on that too much at all. I, I think, you know, for opening night purposes, you know, obviously it's difficult yeah. to, to translate that. But, yeah, over the course of the season, no question. And, uh, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of those situations, I, I think, that pop up. You know, we, I think we, we set the NBA record last year for, uh, you know, most instances of a, a major star returning from a an absence of more than seven to ten days. So that, that's a good note. What else you got? Uh, so, conversely, these two kind of go hand in hand. I would bet teams when the star player is announced out and the line shoots up. Uh, so for one, you get value of extra points in your favor when the star player is announced that they're not going to play. It's a one-off situation, though. This is not um, if a player is missing night after night. Uh, players usually step up in the absence of a star. So if it's a game time call and the star player is out, the line is going to move away from uh, that particular team. You get extra value there. This doesn't work for extended stretches, but teams tend to play over their head. Players, lesser players, play a, a better version of basketball in a one-night situation where they've got to overcompensate for the lack of a star. So uh, if the Bucks, who've been rolling with Giannis, all of a sudden Giannis can't play, the line will move in the direction of the opposing team, jump on the Bucks Again, this is case by case, but that's usually one that I look for. Yeah, and again, that's the type of instance that you see all the time uh, throughout yep. the regular season. And 
it, for me, it, it would have to be a little bit more opponent dependent. You know, if you're playing a, a mid to lower level team, then yeah, you, you could kind of see the Bucks, um, you know, finding a way to, to to kind of continue that rolling without Giannis. Although, I mean, that that might be a tough example this year because I, I don't I don't know that the Bucks have quite as much you know bench infrastructure around him as they yeah. have in years past. Yeah, Joel. I remember playing that spot last year a number of times when Joel Embiid would miss a game, and and then the Sixers would step up. You'd see the role guys play really well. So uh, that's something to look for. Don't automatically discard a team because the star is out. Sometimes, you, as long as you get that good closing line value, that's where the value is. Home dogs off of a road loss, assuming that the road trip was short. And that part is really important because you don't want fatigued underdogs at home. This works pretty much in every sport. Home cooking off of a loss. Teams tend to lock back in after losing. So pretty simple formula. That's one that you could follow early on. Not a factor tonight, but as the week progresses, that's one to keep an eye on. The length of a road trip matters. For teams that go on extended road trips, like four or five games, I usually fade them that first night back home. It's the most human element of the NBA. It's the most distracted time for NBA players all season. It's even better when you do this during the holidays. Reconnect with friends, reconnect with family, and then boom, all of a sudden I've got a game to worry about and I'm road tired. Those teams, I tend to fade. That's a profitable spot, too. As someone who needs like five holes to warm up after driving like 45 minutes to play golf, I, I completely <laughs> I completely empathize with this. Um, yeah. no, you're, you're totally right. And I think a lot of these will be will be great to keep in mind uh, as the season rolls along. Do you do you I'm, have I'm, any any spots that you really like on tonight's slate? So um, I I mentioned a couple of those home teams, the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm yep. on the the Magic tonight, uh, going up against the Houston Rockets. I think that team um, could struggle out of the gate just to figure out sort of uh, <laughs> who shoots uh, on that team. Mm-hmm. In terms of player props, it's actually w- one of the reasons that I like um, the Magic. It, it correlates with a player prop I'm playing on the other side. Jalen Green under 22 and a half points scored tonight. He was a volume monster the last couple of years. I think that's going to take a tick down, and we're going to see his nightly number shorter than 22.5. That's my prediction moving forward, and it's a little high right now. Uh, we're going to see Fred Van Vliet get up a bunch of shots, Dylan Brooks, uh, we'll see how Amon Thompson factors into the offense. So mm-hmm. I think that line's a little bit high. Um, and then Victor Wimbenyama, I saw his assist total over-under was at 1.5. I'll take the over on that all day. Really? All day. Um, you can find that at Underdog. So if you pair that with something else, uh, that, I'm actually pairing those two together. Uh, Jalen Green under 22 and a half and Wimbanyama over one and a half assists. We Jeez. saw during the preseason. It's one of the things that I like the most about his game that doesn't. Well, we did see some highlight reels. The, his ability to distribute through traffic. He's going to get a lot of guys involved. The defense will collapse on him. He's going to get multiple assists tonight. So I feel great about that one. As long as the Jalen Green one can come through, I think yeah. the uh, Wimbenyama assist prop is is pretty much a lock. I'm not taking too many sides tonight in terms yeah. of the, the, the matchups. I like to play these ebbs and flows of the NBA season. It's really just a sit back and observe night more than anything else. So mm-hmm. a couple of props, a couple of home, um, couple of home teams in their season opener. And then I'll just sit back and enjoy it. I love the Weman Yama call. That that's a preposterous line. Um, I, I it think really that's, is. that's that's the one thing I've been more impressed than anything with uh, with Weman Yama. It's like a, a lot of the stuff we kind of expected to some degree. You'd seen flashes of it, you know, the shot blocking, 
uh, the length, the, the the finishing that almost doesn't look real sometimes with like how little he has to jump or extend just to dunk the ball. Uh, but the passing, like that was that was it in the in the in summer league in Vegas. You know when it when it kind of felt like the rest of his game was a little bit shaky. Like the passing to me was something that really jumped out. Like that was not really discussed all that much as part of his his player profile. You know coming into the draft process, but he is a well above average passer for someone of that size. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, by default, he's going to probably have, you know, five, six, seven potential assists and just got to convert a couple of those to go over. I was looking at the, the over two and a half threes for Laurie Markkinen. I think that's a guy that picks up where he leave, where he left off last season. Um, you know, it's juiced pretty heavily to the over for good reason. He averaged three made threes per game, uh, a year ago, but, uh, you know, that's one that I think, you know, could be, could be bumped up into like more elite territory. It's like the, the, the best three point shooters on the slate are usually three and a half as they're over under. Um, you know, getting that at two and a half is, is great for now. Good matchup uh, against the Kings. That should be a back and forth game. And, you know, I, I was talking about this. I, I took Markin in, in my NFBKC draft the other night, was talking about it on the live stream, which I just talked for 90 minutes straight kind of to myself. Like there are some people <laughs> leaving comments, but it was overwhelmingly just me, you know, just saying whatever I want. That's and, the dream. You know, something I, I hadn't really thought about, you don't really hear about with Markin in is like, all right, we have one sample of him being, you know, one of the 25 to 30 best fantasy players in the league. And we have five years of him just being like a pretty average player. Is is it fair to assume that the guy he was last year is just who he's going to be going forward? For the sake of my team, I hope the answer is yes. But I, I want to get your opinion on that. Oh, I I think that that's the case. That uh, when he found he found himself a home in Utah, and they used him perfectly. I, I think that his it took him a minute to to grow into who he was going to be in the NBA, and then. We see this all the time. Sometimes it takes finding the right spot in order to completely unlock that. He found that last year. Not a lot of change in terms of that lineup outside of the addition of John Collins. So, um, yeah, why not? And, and I love that prop for tonight, especially at home, crowd behind you, going up against a bad defense. He should be chucking up shots. All right, before we get out of here, Brandon, any any kind of like under-the-radar, sneaky storylines that you're keeping an eye on tonight? Any like random, you know, rotation questions? Any games on this slate that, you know, maybe aren't the obvious ones that you'll be keeping uh, a very close eye on? Like, I, I really want to watch the Blazers tonight. I, I'm excited to see what they look like against the Clippers. Um, you know, Thunder Bulls is going to be a lot of fun. Like, I'm excited to see, you know, year three of Scotty Barnes. Uh, you, know, you can you can kind of pick out something from every game, but what what is catching your eye? Yeah, I mean, this one is definitely not under the radar, but I want to see this new-look Celtics team. I want to see yeah. what Porzingis and Drew Holiday look like in, in a real game that matters, especially a, ro a tough road game. Um, I actually kind of like the Knicks plus three and a half. I don't know that I'm willing to play it, but I'm at least willing to say that I like it. Um, the, the Knicks tend to play the Celtics tough, and the Celtics are coming in so overhyped. What are they going to look like out of the gate? So it's far from under the radar, but I think that this team has the potential to lead the NBA in regular season wins. How good do they look right out of the gate? And then, you know, I'll, I'll be at the Magic game tonight, so I'm curious to see, um, obviously, what they look like, but there's a lot of continuity with that roster, so it's really just about um playing to the level that I think they're capable of which is slightly above 500. I want to see what Amin Thompson looks like and Cam yeah. Whitmore when games actually matter. Uh Whitmore was a summer league star, but I'm really excited to watch those two play and um I actually later on today on my show I'm going to talk to the overtime elite general manager, uh, Damian oh. Wilkins who ran the show for uh the team that Amin and Osser played for. So curious to get his thoughts on what those guys bring to the table. They seem like special players, so I'll have my eye on both of them yeah. tonight, but 
up close and personal with Amon. I've been pretty impressed with how those guys have looked starting in summer league when we saw limited action, especially out of a men, but uh, in the preseason as well. Like I, I, I think we, there was kind of this general perception of the overtime league. It's like, all right, what, what the heck is this? Is this just like a professional AAU team? Like who are these guys playing against? But they, they, there doesn't look like there's been, you know, this like jump up in competition where these guys are drowning. Like they, they look the part. They absolutely have passed the eye test so far. Uh, so I, I'm really excited to see what both of those guys look like. I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Asar for fantasy just because I think he's in a better position. You know, obviously being that they are twins, uh, they have very similar skill sets and very similar, um, you know, strengths and deficiencies. Uh, but I, I think Asar has a clearer path to, you know, seeing 25 to 30 minutes most nights. Uh, whereas there's, there's still a lot of overlap on this Rockets roster between Green, Thompson, yeah. Brooks, uh, you know, Whitmore, you mentioned, like they still got guys like Reggie Bullock, Jay Sean Tate, Tari Eason hanging around on the wing as well. So uh, very interested uh, to see how that rotation shakes out. Yeah, I, I'm I, I am really excited about being um, at that game tonight because if I were sitting back at home as just an NBA nerd, what's my league pass game of the night? I think it would be Magic Rockets. Speaking of, yeah. at this completely objectively, just these two teams with all of the young talent that both of those rosters have, the complete unknowns. Mm -hmm with the Houston Rockets and the additions that they made. I'm a Udoka back on the sideline. There's yeah. so many interesting little storylines that aren't going to get the national pub, but for NBA fran uh, fans, there's a lot of intrigue with this game. All right, we'll end on this. What would you say is your your worst game of the night, the game that you are least interested in? For, for me, we got some candidates, like Hawks, oh, Warriors, yeah. Wizards, Pacers, <laughs> Pistons, Heat. Uh, Wizards Pacers, without a doubt. <laughs> I will avoid as many Wizards games as I can this year. And uh, the Pacers, see, I kind of know what they are. You know, they're a team that's going to yeah. – they'll fly up and down the court. Uh, that they, uh, They'll they probably score a lot of points. They don't yep. play a lot of defense. And um, I'm sure Halliburton will have himself a great night tonight. But I have no interest yeah. in – I have no need to uh, have that on a screen at any point tonight. Yeah, to, to make another like really forced, egregious NFL reference, like this this is like getting like Giants and Commanders week one Sunday night football. <laughs> well, I, I just, thankfully, I, I, this is, Sunday night football means that's the only game that you can watch. You've got plenty yeah. of other options. If, for, I don't know where you'd have to be where this is your only yeah. option tonight. Yeah, I, I yeah, I guess you just have to be in Indiana or D.C. and have access to nothing but local television. Uh, I, I'm interested in both of these teams. I don't want to dump on them too much. I just I'm not interested in them playing each other. Like I, I have curiosity right. about the Pacers. I want to watch Halliburton. I want to see Matherin in the starting lineup. You know, the Wizards have a lot of interesting pieces for fantasy, but no, that not not together. This is too much. All right, we got to cut it off here, Brandon. Uh, we got we got things to do. We got a, a big 12 game slate to prepare for. Um, want to thank you for for taking the time. As always, looking forward to continuing to do these episodes each Wednesday. We'll try to give you, you know, kind of a mix of a, a recap of the previous night. Uh, and then a preview of the Wednesday slate each week, although it's usually like 8, 10, 12 games. Um, so you know, we can only go so deep on these. But uh, as we get more into the fantasy season, you know, we'll have more and more to, to recap. But we'll talk about, you know, some roster moves, players we're adding, players we're dropping as the season goes along. Um, you know, make sure you check out the Rotowire YouTube page, uh, Rotowire Fantasy Basketball YouTube, I should say. We launched that, what, like three and a half weeks ago, Brandon? We already blew past a thousand subscribers, so we thank everybody uh, who's gone over there, who's liked our videos, who's subscribed, and everybody who follows along on Twitter as well. And of course, if you're listening to the audio version of this, you can find it on Spotify, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. A will be back on the show tomorrow. We'll have Ken, Alex, and Shannon on Friday. They'll be talking week one waiver wire. 
Uh, make sure you don't miss either of those episodes. For Brandon Kravitz, I'm Nick Whalen. We're out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.